Jesus. Let's stand and worship the Lord God Almighty who lives forevermore and he lives on the side of us. We worship you, Lord. We bless your name. Thank you for your presence among us for we call on your name, Jesus, and you are in your name. You are just as close as the mention of your name. Say, Jesus, I love you. Hallelujah. You are the one who break the power of darkness and sin from our life and forgive you honor in your sanctuary for here we are to see your power and your glory, the power of your word, the power of your presence, your worship. We honor you on earth as it is in heaven, for we are seated together with you in heavenly places in Christ. Hallelujah. Let's rejoice with him. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. 
worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the day. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy.
Our judge and our defender suffered and crucified. Forgiveness extend you. Descended into darkness, you rose in glorious light. Forever seated I. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is the one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name. generation they are in. Father, but we believe we will see them again. And we will see you again in glory. We give you honor. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Thank you for the blood and the mercy seed that made give us an audience with you, Father God. We are in Christ Jesus. We honor you. Bless you. We glorify the blood in our midst upon us and upon our families and every situation and every sin that pertains to our Your blood is healing 
Prophesy, Lord, the generation you are in and what's going to happen. We declare it so. You are the king of the glory in our midst. I see the king of glory coming on the clouds with fire. The whole earth shakes. The whole Shades. I see his love and mercy 
washing over all our sin. The people sing again. The people sing. What do you see? Let's see together. I see the King of Glory. Hallelujah. Coming on the clouds with fire. The whole earth shakes. The whole earth shakes. Let's see it together. I see His love and mercy. Never change. Washing over all our sin. The people sing. Again, one more time. Let's the see it. I see the King of Glory. I see the King of Glory, Jesus, coming on the clouds with fire. Come to your church. The whole shade, the whole shade. I see His love and mercy. Washing over all our sin, the people sing. One more time, the people sing. They sing Hosanna. Hosanna. So we are confused, but we sing it together. Hosanna. 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 Show me how to love like you. 
have loved me. to have a conversation with the creator of the universe God Almighty we are able to talk to him we are able to praise him we are able to in a way with all reverence and holiness we are able to hang out with him God Almighty the consuming fire the all-knowing, omnipresent, infinite God that exists outside of time, that has brought us into His presence, that has brought us into fellowship with Him, that has brought us into communion with Him, that has brought us into oneness with Him through the blood and the sacrifice of His Son. And here we are. We are able to worship him to bless him to talk to him and this is what he had desired from before the foundation of the world a people he has created for himself his very own we are his portion that they might worship him that they might fellowship with him that they might be the extension of him that they would be the very 
recipients of his love and his kindness and the expression of his very person. Let us sing that chorus again. Sing it as unto the Lord, as unto the Father, as unto the Son, as unto the Holy Ghost, as unto the, to the Godhead, creator of heaven and earth. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, 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 Hosanna in the Isaiah said in the day that King Uzziah died I saw the Lord I saw the Lord I had a vision of God and it was ever so real he was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple his glory was all round about him Ezekiel said I saw him I saw him I saw him and he was like fire from his loins up to his loins down. The Lord God Almighty. And he says, These are the people that I have created for myself. They shall show forth my praise. Jesus said, These are my brethren. I have come to bring them to glory. And he that sanctifies and they that are sanctified are all one. He is not ashamed to call us brethren. And he said, the day that we are in, no longer will we say to this one, know the Lord and know the Lord, but they all shall know him they all shall know him and so now when we come we come to God Almighty fire from his loins up from his loins down but we come to God our heavenly father our father our father who art in heaven that has taken up residence on the inside of us for he has recreated us and he has made us his temple, his permanent habitation and dwelling place. Let's sing that chorus one more time. Hosanna, 
have a seat. Praise God forevermore. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Amen. We are the redeemed of the Lord and we get the privilege to say so. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Now we get an opportunity to give to God, to sow into the work of the Lord. But before you do, I want to exhort you, I want to give you a mini preach, if, if you will. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 8, it says here, mortal men receive tithes, but there he talking about Jesus, our high priest, he receives them. He receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. He receives them. In Hebrews chapter 8, it says that Jesus is the minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. And every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one, our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, that this one also may have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest since there, was there, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law. There he receives tithes. He receives our gifts, finances, and, and first fruits. And I believe he receives them as it says. But I believe with these very gifts he worships the Father. Now, but to capture that in your giving, he receives them. He receives them. It is a bit of a mystery. It is spiritual, but it is the word of God. The word of God in itself is a mystery. In Mark chapter 9 verse 4 to 1, something we've been familiar with, 
It says, whosoever shall give just a cup of water to drink in my name, Jesus said, because you belong to Christ, that shall give to someone that belongs to Christ a cup of water in my name, he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. What is this talking about? You see, Jesus said in, a, in another place that if you give a glass of water and you, you do it to the least of these, he said, you're doing it to me. In other words, you say, but Lord, when did we give you a water? When did we see you and feed you? He says, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me, I received it. Paul was there persecuting the believers and Jesus arrested him on the road of Damascus and said, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? I'm saying that to say that in your giving, Jesus receives it. He receives it. Now, but it says here that, he says he that, that does this, he shall in no means lose his reward. Now, I want you to capture this. His reward. There is a slight difference between the requests that we make of God and God answering those requests regarding our own needs and so on. And it's a, it's a little bit different when it talks about reward. You see, when it comes to reward, it's what you do for his name's sake. It's what you do for the kingdom of God. It is when you take his burden and you make it your own and you pray it through. And then you did this for him. And he says there's going to be a reward. It's different to a request. So here he's saying that in your giving, when you give, whether it be a glass of water, whether it be tithes, whether it be offering. When you are giving into the kingdom of God, here you're invited to give to the Lord, to the Lord's ministry house. But what are you doing? You are giving it to the Lord and he receives it and he says, I see it. And you will by no means lose your reward. Amen? Your reward. So, I'm saying all of that to say that in your giving... Even though it seems natural and here mortal men receive it, even though it's giving into the ministry and so on, know that the Lord himself receives your tithes, receives your offerings, receives your first fruits. He receives it and he worships the Father with it. Amen? Amen. It makes it very holy. It makes the tithe holy. It makes your giving holy. It makes your giving, your very act of giving an act of worship. That is what Abraham did when he offered up his son. He says, me and the boy are going to go yonder and worship. So I say all of that to encourage you. Yes, to give. Yes, to give through the Lord's ministry house, but also that you might give with reverence, with faith, with understanding. Faith because you know there is a reward. Amen? They that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Now, how to give? The, in, the information is on your screen. You can give by, by e-transfer. You can give, by, um, you can give by, by text. And there's a number of other ways you can give. Choose the one that suits you best. Amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God for a moment. Hallelujah. Now, let's just take a moment. Just, and for those here, uh, you need an envelope for your giving. Uh, Praise the Lord, you, you'll, you'll receive one. 
Praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Praise the Lord. And you that are giving online, the Lord sees and the Lord rewards. He is faithful. There is no punishment when we don't give because we're not under law. We are justified by the sacrifice of Christ. But understand it. There is reward, nevertheless, for obedience, for your faith. Amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. We are the redeemed of the Lord and we say so. Let's stand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. It's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit. Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. If the Spirit of the Lord don't open up our eyes and give us understanding, we will not be able to receive revelation, knowledge, or any other such thing. But Father, we want to thank you today for your faithfulness. Holy Spirit, we thank you, that you for your faithfulness. And we thank you today for opening up our eyes, opening up our understanding, and helping us to receive with meekness your word. That it will transform us in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we give you praise. Thank you. Thank you for utterance. Thank you for a grace that abounds. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's have a seat. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We're continuing today your advancement strategy. And this is part five. The Lordship of God's word. And I know we're just getting started, but I could feel I'm warm. <laughs> and um, I, I don't think it's going to get better. It's going to get warmer. So, Pastor Dad, can you? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Are you ready? <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right. So, we were actually completing last week's teaching. Yes, at the same time, this is somewhat independent. The word of the Lord that came to us in this year is that we are to come up higher. God wants us to have advancement. And, um, and so he's giving us strategy by which we can have advancement. Amen? And it's all wrapped up in this call for us to come up higher in various areas. Now, how can you experience the advancement and the success that God has for you this year? In any and every area. How? By coming up higher. Coming up higher and we are talking about your spiritual life. That was the focus last week. Your spiritual life. But how are you going to come up higher in your spiritual life? By the application of God's word in your conversation. What do we mean by conversation? The Bible, the scriptures actually calls your thinking, your believing, your attitudes, your speaking, and your actions, and, and calls, it, uh, calls it as a whole your conversation. Your conversation. James 1.21 says, Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul, which is able to bring the entirety of your, con of your, of your conversation underneath the government of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Word of God has this capacity 
to bring you into the, to bring your thinking, your believing, your attitudes, your speaking and your actions to be in harmony with God and with his word. Now you got to understand this, the word of God is not just some, some ink on the, this paper. God and his word are one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. That's what the scripture says and that is how it is. Now it is a mystery, but it, as if, it is as if God himself poured himself into his word. So God and his word are one. God has poured himself into his word. So in his word, there is the power of God. The word of God and, and God and his word are one. The word of God literally represents God. The word of God has all that God is, is in his word. The power of God. God has poured his power into his word. He has poured his life into his word. He has poured his wisdom in his word. He has poured his riches and his wealth in his word. That is the reason why, how can the word of God make you prosperous? Because God's wealth and riches is in his word. Amen. And that word has the power to transform your thinking, your believing, your speaking, your attitudes, your actions. It has this transforming power. Now today, specifically, the teaching and my counsel today by the Spirit of God is about the Lordship of God's Word. Letting the, the Word of God be Lord. Let the Word of God govern your thinking, your believing, your attitudes, your actions, your speaking, and, 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 and so on. Let it govern it. Hallelujah. First Peter chapter 1 verse 15 says, Be holy in all manner of conversation. Be holy in all manner of your thinking, your believing, your attitudes, your, your, your speaking, your actions. Be holy. Now, holy means set apart to God. It means sanctified. So let your thinking, your believing, your attitudes, your actions, your speaking, let it be separated unto God. How? By the word of God. It says in John chapter 17, verse 17, Jesus says, sanctify them with thy truth. Thy word is truth. The word is truth. The word has this sanctifying power to set apart your thinking, your believing, your attitudes, your actions unto God. Hallelujah. So, what are we talking about? We're talking about the Word of God having lordship in every aspect of your conversation, your spiritual life, your soul, even your body. Can you imagine that? Do you believe that if the Word was made flesh in your body, you'd have to deal with sickness and disease? No. For that word of God to literally rule and dominate you in every aspect of your life. Now, there are three things that are necessary in order for you to come up higher in your spiritual life, in your conversation, your thinking, your believing, your attitudes, your speaking, and your actions. Three things. Three things are necessary. Three things. Number one. In fact, let me say this first. Acts 6 verse 4 says, we will, the, 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 the apostles and the disciples at that time said, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. We will give ourselves continually. 
Number one, what are these three things that are necessary to come up higher? We will surrender ourselves. That's number one. Number two, we will surrender ourselves to prayer. And number three, we will surrender ourselves to the ministry of the word. Let's talk about the first one. The surrendering of yourself, period. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 14 says, The love of Christ constrains us. It compels us. And it causes us to judge. This is how we judge. Because of this love of God that has taken us over. We judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. That if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that they which live should no longer live for themselves, but for him that died for them and rose again. Jesus died and he surrendered his own will to die for all. He didn't go to the cross because of his own will. He did what he did in submission to the will of God. He abandoned his own will. And he says, the will of the Father is that I would go to this cross, that I would drink this cup. So here we are. We are constrained and controlled by that same love. We were once dead and separated from God, but now that we are born again and that love has been shed abroad in our heart, we are controlled by that same love and this is what we judge. We have come to the place where we are not living for our will, but for his will. For his will. Not my will, but for his will. And so, that living for his will, this surrender has to do with death. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 31, I die daily. In 2 Corinthians 4 11, he says, death worketh in me. Being, uh, being identified where it's no longer me. It's no longer I that live. He says, death worketh in me that the life of Christ may work through me. That's awesome. Death worketh in me that the life of Christ might flow through me. First Corinthians 6 verse 19 to 20 says that you are, that your body, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. And therefore, God is to be glorified in your body and in your mind. You have been bought with a price. So we are to reckon ourselves dead. Present your body a living sacrifice. God wants you to be sanctified, separated unto him, your whole spirit, soul, and body, that it might be preserved blameless. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but it is Christ that liveth in me. And the life I now live is the life of Christ, and I live it by the faith of the Son of God. What's all of that saying? In other words, this, this surrender, this total this surrender, the surrendering of ourselves is to accept that, and it's to yield to that. I, it's no longer my will, I'm crucified. And it's not even me here, it is Christ living in me and through me. But that's something we say yes to. And we say yes to it every day. So how does this transformation take place? How does this um, lordship take place of the word of God over, over, over your thinking, your believing, your attitudes, your actions, your speaking? How? Three things that are necessary. One is surrendering yourself. Abandonment to the will of God. And then the second thing is surrendering to prayer. 
living in that perpetual fellowship and communion and conscious awareness of God and of God living inside of you. The scripture says pray without ceasing. If prayer was just a matter of Lord, you know, I need this, I need this, this is what's going on, do this, do that. If that was what it was, how could you pray without ceasing? Man, you must have an endless list. <laughs> but to pray without ceasing is living in that constant fellowship communion. Whatever you're doing, you're driving in the car, you're cooking, you're doing this, you're doing that. There is this awareness, there is this consciousness, there is this, there is this communion, there is this fellowship that we've been brought into, that we've invited to participating. So there is that element of prayer. Have surrendering to that element of prayer. It also is, it is also becoming God's prayer altar. Now, now that's something, by the grace of God, we're going to do some teaching on sometime. But where you become like God's prayer altar, remember Jacob's ladder? Where the angels were coming, going up and down, and it was like this, it was this ladder connected heaven and earth, and there was transactions taking place. Well, here you are, you are like the altar of God, and you are causing transaction and business to take place between heaven and earth. On, on heaven's behalf, you are causing, you are here for the burden and for the purposes of God, and you are praying to that end so that the will of God in heaven might be done on earth. And from an earth perspective, for those around you, for the body of Christ, you are praying and you are reaching, you are praying for heaven. You are praying for heaven, the resources and the grace of heaven to change things on earth and meet the needs on earth. Let me put it this way. Becoming God's prayer altar, that true petitions and supplications, and I guess an intercession and, 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 and warfare prayer, you are doing business with heaven on behalf of the earth. And you are also doing heaven's bidding here on earth. Does that make sense? Amen? And that is why it's no longer just about your needs. It's no longer about your prayer requests, but it is about the burdens of God. God's burden might be he want to see a particular family to come to the knowledge of him. So that becomes the burden. God's burden might be there's a situation that is happening in the world, in the politics, in the church, or whatever the case is. And, and, and so the, the Spirit of God wants to do this particular thing. But he can't do it except he can find a man to stand in the gap. So now you make yourself available and you take on his burden and you pray that thing through so that God now has the opening, the access to accomplish that particular thing. So you are literally... As that altar, you are representing God, heaven, to cause the will of God to be done on earth. Now, I know that's in the area of prayer and so on and so forth. So, there is that aspect. But then, and then there is the other aspect of making requests to God. Are you with me? Either way, it is, it, it, it is, it is a surrendering to that, to that as well. It is also, as we're talking about surrendering in the realm of prayer, it is a waiting, learning to wait on God, having times of waiting on God, just being quiet before Him, just being still and knowing that He is God. The scripture says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and they shall run and not be weary. It is humanly impossible for you to run, for a human being to run and not be weary. The only way you can run and not be weary, that's divine. 
That is because the Lord God Almighty, he doesn't faint. He doesn't get tired. So when he can infuse you with his life and with his power, then you can become, then this divinity can flow through your humanity so that you can run and not be weary. So there is a place in the realm of God where we are to learn to wait on the Lord so that he can renew our strength. We can mount up with the wings of eagles and we can function in higher dimensions and realms of the spirit and the kingdom of God. But what, is, what, what am I saying? I'm saying this is part of what is necessary in order for, 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 for this is part of what is necessary so that this, this word can have lordship. And so that we could come up higher in the areas, uh, in the various elements of our conversation, our thinking, our believing, our speaking, and so on. And then thirdly, surrendering to the word of God. And let me just back up again. When you surrender to the, to the, to the Lord in this realm of prayer, and you're spending time, I, 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 I like to think of it as being locked in a phone booth with God who is a consuming fire, it will transform you. Do you think? It will transform you. So, so, so what happened is, when we behold, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, and we, are, and we are interfacing and interacting with God in this realm of prayer, where the strength and the power of God can begin to take over, there will be a transformation. And that transformation will, will affect your thinking. It will affect your believing. It will affect your speaking. It will affect your attitudes. It will affect how you act. It will affect... It would bring you to a place where you're not going to be affected by what other people think. Are you with me? It's a transformation. And that is, a, that is part of what comes out of this devotion, this surrender to, 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 to prayer. All right. Anyway, the third one, surrendering to the word, letting God's word have lordship in all your conversation. And that's where, what, what this today is all about. Surrendering to the word of God, even to the point <laughs> that a word would be made flesh in you. All right? Now, just so that you can capture this a bit. Imagine, first of all, the scripture says in Psalms 138, this is God, this is God, God is God. You know what I mean? We ought to think God is God and God could do whatever he wants. He's God. He's sovereign. Who could tell him different? But yet, the scripture says in Psalms 138 and verse 2, God says, I magnify my word above all my name. What is God saying? God is saying that whatever my words say, that, that's going to govern me. God will not violate his word. He will not go out of, or go out of the parameters of his word. That's why he cannot lie. That is why there's certain things, if it is not in agreement with his word, you could bawl, beg, cry, fast, whatever, bleed, nothing is, God is not going to move because God's word, or God magnifies his word. He submits to his word. In other words, think about it for a moment. This is so deep in a sense, in that God submits to the lordship of his word. God makes his word to have lordship over him. Hello? <laughs> now, think about that for a moment. Now, now you can see why. No, and if we're going to be like him, it only, it, it is just reasonable, logical, that that word must also have lordship over us. Think about that. All right. 
Think about it. <laughs> okay, let's use your, use your imagination a bit. Because we're talking about your relationship with the word. Your relationship with the word. And, and, and for a moment, don't think of the word as ink on the page. Don't think of the word as some inanimate object. Think of the word as a person. As a person. A real person. A real person that is alive. That is full of power. Who, whose words and being is such that he can penetrate into various dimensions of your being. The same way laser would, would cut through steel. And so he's alive, he's powerful, he's sharper than any two-edged sword. He can penetrate to the dividing of your soul and your spirit and your joints and your mem and, and, and your and, and the marrow of your bones and your thoughts and your history and your background and your and your emotions and your feelings and your memory. There is everything is naked and open before him. This is the person, this is the word that you are dealing with. But this person, this word of God is loving, is kind, is honest with you. It's personal. It's loving and kind and personal and, and honest with you. This word of God, he is motivated by what's best for you. Always. That is why no matter what's going on, whether you do it right or whether you do it wrong, whether you mess up or you, no matter what's going on, he always, always, always is working all things together for your good. That's how committed he is. That's how pure his love is. That's how perfect, how everlasting his work word is. His love is. And that word is the love of God. So you never ever need to question his motive or his commitment to you. Why am I saying this? Because for this word to have lordship in your life, it has to go beyond the words that I'm speaking and it has to become, you have, we are talking about a relationship. A relationship. You see, unless you can see the word in this perspective, you would not be able to have to, be, to, to tremble before the word and have that fear and that reverence in dealing with the word. And, and the word of God becomes like some novel, Shakespeare or something. No, this is the living word of God. It is alive. Hallelujah. And this word of God, this person, this word is eternal. It has all wisdom and all knowledge. He is perfectly capable. Capable. He has wise counsel. And this word, this person, desires to have a relationship with you personally. And he has desired that before the foundation of the world. He desires a very close intimate relationship with you and he desires that you would desire a very close intimate relationship with him and with the word now 
if you would allow this, if you would allow this, and you got to ask the question, am I going to allow this? Do I want this relationship? <laughs> Do I want this relationship? Do I want this? Because if you do, then it means you are saying, let this word have lordship over me. Let it have lordship over my thinking, the way I think, how I think, what I think. Let it have lordship over my believing. I can't just believe any way I feel like it. No, I must believe according to the word. Let it have word lordship over my attitude. I cannot just be disgusted and busted and murmuring and come. No, I've got to have an attitude that he approves of. Because I'm saying, I want this intimate relationship. So I got to talk different. I got to act different. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you're saying yes, are you saying yes to this? So, you know what the word says? <laughs> can I, can, do you mind if I say this? You say, yes, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll have Lord. Let, let the word be Lord over me. The word says, show me. I'm going to believe you when you show me. I'm going to believe you when you submit to me. I'm going to believe you when I see the reverence that you have for me. I'm going to believe you when you can demonstrate your faithfulness. And especially in the hard times. Hello? All right. Now, John 15, 7, Jesus said, If you abide in me and my word abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. May I put that a little bit differently? Remember the word, this person, this intimate relation. The word is saying, if you obey me, I will obey you. You do what I say, and I'll do what you say. If you abide in me, and my word abide in you, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done unto you. Jesus' mother, Mary, you know the story with the water, with turning the water into wine? She said to the disciples, she says, whatever he asks you to do, do it. Whatever he asks you to do, do it. James 1.22 says, don't be just a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. We are talking about the lordship of the word of God. Moses says, here, this is what Moses says, is the relationship that you are to have with the word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18 to 21. This is what Moses says. This is how your relationship needs to be. He said, this is what you need to do. He said, lay up these words in your heart and in your soul, mind, will, emotions, thoughts, and all of that. And bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as a forehead band, a, a, a forehead band between your eyes. Teach them to your children. Speak of them when you sit in your house. When you walk, by the way. When you lie down, when you rise up, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates, so that as you do that, your days and the days of your children may be multiplied 
in the land. And you will have, and it will be like days of heaven above the earth. In other words then, you do this, and Moses says, you are going to have days of heaven right here on earth. That's wild. Your life being on earth as it is in heaven. Think about that. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, put this desire in our heart for the lordship of your word in every dimension, in every area of our life, in every faculty of our being, in our spirit, in our soul, in our thinking, in our believing. Let this word of God have such lordship over us, Father. That we would bind ourselves to that word. That word become engrafted in us. We become word, one with that word. The word would be made flesh in us. So that we can have days of heaven and earth. Not just that we might boast. But that you would be glorified. That you would be honored. Oh Father, grant it. Grant the grace to bring this about. In the life of every single one. That hears this in Jesus name. So, in Philippians 3 verse 20, Paul by the Spirit says to let your conversation be according to heaven. Let it be according to the word of God. Let the word of God have lordship and let it take over your life. Deuteronomy 32 verse 47 says, look, this, this commitment this relentless pursuit of the word of God and fellowship with the word of God and so on. He says it's not a vain, empty waste of time. It is your life. This is your life. And so Paul says in Philippians, Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ, let that word dwell in you richly. Let the written word of God dwell in you richly. Let the spoken word of God dwell in you richly. Let the prophetic word, when it comes, dwell in you richly. Let the Rima word dwell in you richly. And he said to Timothy, if you would abandon yourself and give yourself wholly to the word of God, your profiting will appear unto all. It will be obvious. There will be supernatural divine profit and increase. But of course, because in the word of God is God himself with all of his wealth and riches. So there is a better way to prosper than the sweat of your brow. And it's the word of God. Hallelujah. Joshua said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you might observe to do according to all that is written therein. And then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 1 says you're going to prosper in the land. All right? Okay. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, let's look specifically at how are you going to apply the word of God to come up higher in each of the elements of your conversation. In other words, how are we going to apply it to your thinking, to your believing, to your attitudes, to your speaking, to your actions? How are we going to do that? And why is it so necessary? Now, remember, everything that you could ever desire, you already have. When God gave you Jesus, he gave you all things. The scripture says, 
concerning the inheritance, 1 Peter 1 verse 4, that you were born again to an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled. You have been born again to an infinite inheritance, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Colossians 1 verse 12 says, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ has qualified you. In other words, you've got a right to this inheritance because of the blood of Jesus, not because of works of righteousness which you have done. Ephesians 1 verse 11 says, again, you have obtained this inheritance. Say, I got it. You really do have it. <laughs> Amen? Say, but. Should I say, but? Yeah, but. That inheritance is released according to Ephesians 1 verse 11, according to God's good pleasure, according to God's will, and so on. And then Acts 26, 18 says, that inheritance, you possess it, and, you, and you, you get a hold of it by faith. But this faith comes from where? The word of God. So, I say all of that to say this. In Acts chapter 20, verse 32, in fact, I think I, I want to read that in the Amplified. In Acts chapter 20, verse 32, Paul says, I commend you to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you your inheritance among the saints. Now listen to it in the Amplified. And now, brethren, I commit you to God. I deposit you in his charge. And I entrust you to his protection and care. And I do. <laughs> and I commend you to the word of his grace, to the commands and the counsels and the promises of his unmerited favor. It is able to build you up and to give you your rightful inheritance. The inheritance is yours, but you need it to be made manifest. It is able to give you your rightful inheritance among all of God's set-apart ones, those consecrated, purified, and transformed, and transformation of souls. Amen? All right. So, how does this, how do you apply this word in these five areas of your conversation, your thinking? Psalms 19 verse 7 says, the word of God, the word of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. What do you mean converting the soul? Transforming it. I like to say, moving it from a caterpillar to a butterfly. It has the power to transform your, 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 your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, and all of that. The Word of God can transform your thinking. Now, your thinking matters. This, your thinking are like seeds, and it says, it says um, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And the man, a man's thoughts will, uh, 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 will shape his future. Be careful how you think. Why? Because it will shape your future. Now, quite often in the church world, we think about the battles that we fight and the challenges that we face, and we continually see the devil as the one that we're dealing with. And there is a devil, and he is real, and he is against you. He hates you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to steal from you. But most of the battle is not with the devil, it's with you, and it's in your mind and in your thinking. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. Again, we, we take this passage 
about casting on the imagination and we think of it, the weapons of our warfare, we think of it in terms of it being the devil. But there is nothing said about the devil in this verse. Let me read it. The ampl- Let me read it in the King James. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Listen to that in the Amplified. This is all talking about the activity within this brain, within your mind, your thinking, your imagination. The weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. And you can add willpower. But they are mighty before God for the overthrow and the destruction of strongholds. You sometimes there are strongholds of, of anxiety, of fear, of, 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 of certain ways of thinking that is in our minds. Well, it is the, the word of God, the, the, the weapons of all warfare is to overthrow and, dis, and, and, and the, for the overthrow and the destruction of these strongholds. In as much as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings, that's all thinking stuff. And every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we lead every thought and pursue and every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ. So that passage is not about the devil as much as it is about the warfare to rule your mind. And let your thoughts be in obedience to the word of God and to the person of Christ. Amen? Now, um, where, 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 where am I here? Okay, so the devil is not, this battle here is in your mind. Now understand this, the devil cannot read your mind. He is not all-knowing, he's not all-present, he's not present everywhere, he's not omnipotent. He cannot read your mind, but he can plant thoughts in your mind. In Ephesians chapter 6, it refers to it as, as, as um, fiery darts. In Revelation, it talks about the accusation that he can bring. So he can plant these thoughts in your mind, and then... He can sit back and observe how do you react to them. He can, in the process, study you, your behavior, and he can find out where your weaknesses are. And then he can bombard those areas of your life. Let me give you an example. If he has come to, the, if he discovers that you, you become very offended if people ignore you, you know what I mean? You get your feelings hurt and you get offended if somebody ignore you. Maybe there's a row of people that shake everybody's hands and for some reason they just skip your hand. And you become offended. Now, so what is the devil going to do? He sees, he knows that when you get offended, he knows what, 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 how he's, you know, the, the, the area that you're going to slip into. So he will orchestrate it as best as he can to make you feel ignored. Somebody is just about to to, 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 to acknowledge you, he'll find a way to distract them. Or maybe, maybe you get offended because, you, you know, you, you, because of your 
people pronounce your name wrong or they don't remember your name or whatever the case is. Man, he will cause people to come and just twist your name apart just so as to get you offended. He studies you and he recognizes that there are certain things that get you angry. So what does he do? Orchestrate that stuff in your life because he knows if he could slip you over into that realm of anger, then you're going to speak things that you shouldn't speak and give him access to your life. All the point I'm making is, is to understand that it is not that he's giving you thought. It's not that, that, that he can read your thoughts as much as he is. He could try to manipulate your believer. And he could try to, he can plant thoughts in your mind. So that is the reason why, for instance, we have the whole armor of God. What for? Because that's, that's the reason why we, we need to pull on the strongholds and these stuff that he builds up in our system. That is why we have the, we, the scripture tells us, take the helmet of salvation. The gospel, the, the, that helmet of hope. The helmet of hope, having hope. It tells us to, to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Know that you're the righteousness of God, you're one with God. So that you don't receive all this condemnation that says you, uh, and all this inferiority and all this other stuff that he control at you, your background, your history. If you don't have the word of God, you are not able to fight those things successfully. And so, it, and so the scripture will even tell you, put on the belt of truth. The belt of truth to gird up the loins of your mind. Know what the truth of the word of God is. So that when something is contrary, uh-uh, nope, I'm not accepting that. This is what the word of God says. And then it goes even further. And it says, think on these things. Whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is just. Think on these things, amen? Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Jesus then taught it robbery to be equal with God. He knew that his nature, he had the nature of God. The scripture says, you are to have that same mind. You are to recognize that you've got God's nature. You've got to recognize the oneness that you have with him. You've got to recognize the authority that you have. The promises that are yours. The rights that are yours. The fact that by the authority of the blood, you're free from condemnation and guilt and shame. Let this mind be in you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. So, but how are we going to let this mind be in us? How are we going to be able to, to, to let the word of God govern our thoughts? If we don't know what the word of God says. If we don't give the word of God the opportunity to have that ministry in our life. So that's why it will now tell us we need to meditate on the word. We need to read the word. We need to study the word. We need to feed the word. We need to speak the word. We need to renew our mind. We need to talk the word when we, when we wake up, when we walk, when we sit, when we stand. And it was talking about a constant fellowship and communion with the word. In other words, you got to take time. And make time for the word. Do it on purpose. Plan it into your schedule. Feed on the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's telling you feed on the word of God. Eat it like food. <laughs> Job 23 verse 12 says, Thy words were found. It's, no, no, no. It says, I treasure the words of your mouth more than my necessary Food. Amen. What are we talking about? The application of the word of God. Letting that word have lordship in the area of your thinking. Now what about your believing? Well, Jesus says, don't waste, don't, don't use up your energy for the bread or for the meat that perishes. Don't let that be the fruit. I mean, you need to eat and so on and so forth. But he said, labor in this. Labor in the word. 
Labor to get a hold of the word. Labor to come to this place of believing. Labor in the word to get to that place. You see, Isaiah 26 verse, let me flip, flip over there. Isaiah 26 verse 2 and 3. Verse 3 is the one we like, which is, I will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon me because they trust in me. But let's look at it a little closer. Verse 2 says, open the gates that the righteous nation which keeps the truth may enter. You will keep him who? The righteous. That is walking in truth. You will keep him in perfect peace. Why? Because he trusts in you. In other words then, this peace that we are to be kept in and this trust that we develop, where did it come from? It comes from the fact that number one, we are the righteousness of God. And we get a hold of the word of God, which is the truth. And we let our mind be stayed. We let the word create the imagination. We let the word of God become the strongholds in our thinking. Rather than the ones the devil tried to set up. And it says, if you do that, you'll be in perfect peace. And it says, because you trust God. Now, here is something interesting about trust. Trust doesn't come automatically. You do have to choose to trust, but trust, you see... When faith comes to the place where, okay, let me say, when faith comes to a place of maturity, then it comes to a place of rest, where it might not look like it, everything looks, I mean, totally contrary, but I trust God, so I can rest, and I can be free from the anxiety, from the worry, from all of those other bombarding thoughts, because I've come to the place of rest. That place of rest is the place of trust. In other words, when you are not resting, it means you're not trusting. Which means what? You need to go back and spend some time in the Word and develop that trust. And that is what it was talking about in Hebrews chapter 4, around verse 9 through to 12 and 13. There is a rest that remains for the people of God, for the children of God. Where you can come into that place and become so free from yourself and where God becomes your source and you're so resting and trusting in him. But in order to get to that place, it says, you got to labor in the word. You got to labor. You've got to work at this stuff. Labor in the word. And then it tells you that word is powerful. That word is sharper than any two-edged sword. This, that word has the capacity to bring you into that place of rest. Amen. No, that place of rest, that place of believing. So you've got to believe. Your believing needs to come underneath the government of the word where you believe according to how it is written. And you labor if need be to get into that place. You do not have and possess without believing. With the heart man believes and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. When you pray believe you receive it and you shall have it. If you don't believe you receive it, you can't have it. But in order to believe, that word has to have lordship in the realm of your believing. Habakkuk chapter 2 says, I'll sit upon the wall until I can see what he says. And when I can see what the word says, when the word could create an image in my mind, then I'll be able to run with it. Then I'll be able to write it down and make it clear. But to get to that place, what you got to do? You got to labor in the word. You got to spend time in the word. You got to literally meditate in that word so that the life and the power in that word 
could be squeezed out of the word and the word and dumped into you. So back to studying, meditating, reading, speaking, laboring in the word. Jesus said to Jairus, only believe. Believe. Jesus said to, to, to Martha, whose brother Lazarus had been dead for several days, she says, he says, believe and you'll see the glory of God. This believing matters. Can you imagine the glory of God, the excellency of God becoming accessible because of your believing? All things being possible to them that believe. It, that believe. If it was so easy, and you see, this, the Bible says only believe. It didn't say it's easy. Only does not mean easy. And when you look at the word, it says to labor to enter into that rest. Labor to enter into that rest. But believe me, to come into that place and to have the glory of God, the excellency of God be yours. That is a place of absolute victory. All right, the third area, your attitude. Letting your attitude come underneath the government of the word of God. Having the whole spirit and the attitude of your mind renewed. It says again in Psalms 19 verse 8, the word of the Lord are right and they rejoice the heart. They rejoice the heart. There is a joy and a gladness and an and a energizing and an a impartation to your emotion that can come through the word. There's a joy and peace that comes from believing. Jeremiah 15 verse 16 says, the word, your words were found, and I did eat them. And that word was the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. The word of God has that capacity, but it can't do that. You see, when we are in an environment of negativity, and we are feeding on the negativity, that's getting into our thinking, that's getting into our believing. What's going to happen with our attitude? Right? So no, we got to, you know, like Abraham, I mean, he had a lot of opportunity to be negative. So, but instead of looking at the things that are seen, you look at the things that are not seen. But how can you do that? You got to know the word. You got to have meditated on the word. So that what you're seeing in your spirit is not what stands before you. And then that is the way the power is going to come to change things. Amen? So, the scripture says, so there's a joy and rejoicing that comes. From that word. Philippians 4 verse 4 says. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. In everything give thanks. Guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Abounding thanksgiving. Listen to this for a moment. Colossians 1 verse 2 says. It says. Um, thanks be to God. Who has made us partakers. Of the inheritance. Of the saints in the life. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about living in divine health and healing. But it says, thanks be to God can cause you to partake. Take the part of what? Your inheritance of the saints in the life. Is healing part of your inheritance? So thanks be to God can cause you to partake of the healing. In other words, then just abounding in thanksgiving and praise can cause you to possess your healing and cause it to be manifested. In another place it says, it says in Colossians 2 and I think verse 6, to abound in thanksgiving. And as you abound in thanksgiving, then it, it activates and releases your faith. 
When you abound in thanksgiving, when you abound in praise, and when you energize and empower that emotional realm, what happened? And the joy of the Lord becomes your strength. Well, with joy, you draw from the wells of salvation, your healing. Amen? A merry heart. You ever heard that one? It's good as what? Medicine. In other words, then, you know, when we're gloomy and we're underneath there somewhere, and the attitude is not right, it literally stifles and chokes the anointing and stops the very harvest that we desire. The scripture says in Luke chapter 21, verse 34, read it in a couple different versions. But it's like it, it has this suffocating um, thing about it that, 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 that it even messes up your spiritual vision and your hearing. God could be telling you, harvest is over here. And you say, uh, 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 you won't even hear. It messes up your hearing. It messes up your ability to see. That, that, that muddiness, that cloudiness, that, 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 that smothering, those things in your, that, that can get in there. We are talking here about your attitude. It can choke the word of God from producing. So what do we do? Let your attitude and your emotions come underneath the government of the word of God. It is a joy and a rejoicing of my heart. It says in 1 Peter 1 verse 8. Even though we don't see, we haven't seen him, but believing, we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And full of glory. That's in spite of what we are not seeing. We do that where we haven't seen Jesus, but we're risking our life. We're standing up to persecution. Why? Because we believe what we haven't seen. We haven't seen him, but we believe and we rejoice with joy unspeakable and praise him. Well, it's true in other areas as well. Amen? Number four, your talk. The way you talk, your talk, your speech. Let the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart be acceptable in his sight. A, man shall, a man's words, where you shall be justified by your words. You shall be justified by your words. You can be condemned. Your words can snare you like a trap, like the way a trap is set for an animal. Many we are snared by the words of our mouth, it says. Now, when we understand that, then we must not allow our words to corrupt communications to come out of our mouth. Here is a very simple understanding, and this is just how it is. Your future is ahead of you. There are things you can do about your future. Your prayer, the prayer you pray now, will go and wait for you at the gate of your tomorrow. Well, the words that you speak, be they good or bad, will wait for you at the gate of your tomorrow. I like to use my keys. I don't, ex I, 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 I don't expect that I'm going to lose anything. You know why? Because I've already been speaking for years. Nothing here that shall not be revealed. Nothing covered that shall not be uncovered. I don't lose anything. So if I appear to lose something, that word has already gone before me to set it up for that thing to be found. On the negative side, I to, uh, 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 let me share this. I broke my leg twice. Not nice. First time I broke my leg, I wasn't a Christian. But I had this anxiety here in Canada. I had this anxiety about skiing. I would not go on a skate, skate, skateboard or nothing like that because I had this fear in my mind. 
where my, my, my ankles are going to snap or something. Right? But that was a fear. Now, guess what happened to Job? That which he feared coming upon him. Your fear can attract the very thing you are afraid of. I didn't know any of that. So I was living in that place. And what happened? The scripture also says um, that he will give his angels charge over you and keep your feet lest you dash it against a stone. Well, I was in a situation and my foot was on a slope and it went into a hole. Right? And I'm going down and my foot is stuck here. Guess what happened? Bone snapped. Later, the other time was in 2010, fell off a ladder. Bone, and that one was really bad. Thank God a miracle came out of that. But here's the point. Had I known and had I declared his angels have charge over me, and they were going to keep my feet so I don't dash it against a stone. And I had planted that. Had I said, none of his bones shall be broken. And I had believed that and declared that. I don't believe my foot would get in the hole. My bone would have never broken. What is the point? The point I'm making is that your words can go before you. And wait for you at your gates of tomorrow. What good things you want to see come? Speak them now. Speak them now. That's the power and authority. You shall decree a thing and it shall be established unto you. The mouth of the righteous shall deliver him. When you understand that, then you don't let corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. You become quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. Because if you go give it to wrath quickly, then you're going to end up speaking wrong. And when you speak wrong, you're speaking the very things you don't desire. Right? I mean, you're, you know, I mean, I can't stand it. Oh, I can't stand it. Oh, I just can't. Sometimes I can't even stand myself. You keep talking like that, you end up with a bad back. You end up with weak knees. You end up with arthritis. Are you with me? Your words matter. Your thinking matter. Your attitudes matter. Your speaking matter. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. It's better to say nothing than to talk wrong. That's why Jesus said to Jairus, Shh, don't say anything. Because he had found out the little girl had died. Jesus said, shh, shh, only believe. You already said if I come to your house, the little girl is going to live. Don't say anything else. It's better to be silent than to speak words of negativity. Words that are contrary to what the word of God says. And then those words become a snare and become a trap. Amen? Now I like to believe, take time every now and then and break the power of every negative word I've ever spoken in my life or that has been spoken against me. And I cancel them and bring them to naught in Jesus' name. But you see, the word of God is so powerful. God is in his word. That when you take God's word and you put it in your mouth and you speak God's word, it says his word in your mouth is like a hammer and it's like a fire. It's sharp with an any two-edged sword. It's full of power. And therefore, you are to find out what God's word says and you are to declare what God has already decreed or decree what God has already declared. Hallelujah. And then finally, your walk. Your walk. The scripture says that we are, if we say we abide in him, we ought to walk like he walked. We ought to walk like Jesus walked. You see, what are we talking about here? The Lordship of God's word. Jesus is the word. You are literally saying, Jesus, come take over my life. And let, let my thinking be your thoughts. 
Let it be underneath your government, under your control. Let my attitudes, let my believing, let my speaking, let my actions, let it be exactly as it would be if you were living my life for me, in me, and through me. That's what you're talking about. So you ought to walk even as he walked. That means walking in love. Not my will, but thy will be done. That means preferring one another. That means walking in the light, walking in truth, walking in faith, walking in righteousness. For you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, because you are the righteousness of God in Christ, that's your nature. That's the nature of every born again child of God, no matter how wicked, rebellious, whatever iniquity he might be living in, he still has that nature of righteousness. Therefore, but what we need to do, the issue of maturity is to begin to walk in that which you already are. To begin to walk in righteousness. If we are righteous, walk like it. If we are light, walk in the light. By their works you shall know them. Let your light so shine before men. Amen? Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So that's what we're talking about. The, word, the lordship of God's word over all of your conversation, every area of your life. Your thinking, your believing, your attitudes, your speaking, and your actions. Now, you and I, we can come up higher. We can come up higher in our spiritual life. How? By having our conversation come on in the government of the, of the, of the lordship of the word. By applying the word of God in these areas. And what can happen? We can have days of heaven and earth. The scripture says, attend to my word and climb your ears to my, to my saying. Get it in the midst of your heart. That word is life and health to all of your flesh, every part of your being. So what are we to do? Develop this relationship with the word of God. Develop this relationship with the word of God. Respect and, 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 and reverence the word of God. Howl the word in high esteem. God is in submission to his own word, you and I must do the same. Magnify it above all else. Obey the word of God. Do what the word of God says. You obey the word of God, the word of God will obey you. Spend time. Practically at the end of the day, you need to spend time. The scripture says in the morning, sow your seed. In the evening, sow again. You don't know which one is going to produce. So be diligent. Be consistent in the, in, in, the, in the feeding and in the interacting with the Word of God, meditating on it, listening to it on, the, on tape, CD. I don't know if those things exist anymore, but, but you know, whatever it is, listen to me on YouTube. <laughs> Study the Word. Feed on the Word. That's what it takes. Your relationship with the Word of God, that relationship must be, and it's like, the relationship with the word God is higher than every good relationship you could have in your life. It's like the relationship that you have with a caring mother. That's how the word of God is. It's like the relationship that you have with a great father, with a close friend that is trusted, that is loyal, a close sister or a brother. It's like a relationship with your favorite uncle, right? The one that will give you, <laughs> if you need some extra money. <laughs> it is the loving care and the kind, gentle, 
that, that you can receive from a spouse, from a husband, from a wife. The word of God is to be every good and perfect relationship with you. It's to be your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your uncle, your spouse, your friend. And the word of God is to be your teacher. Have you ever had a good teacher? Your word of God is to be all of that to you. Amen? You think you get this? Do you get it? We're talking about what? You can come up higher in your spiritual life by the continual, perpetual application of the word of God and letting that word take lordship in your life and rule in the realm of your thinking, in the realm of your believing, in the realm of your attitudes, in the realm of your speaking, and in the realm of your actions. Amen? Hallelujah. And as you do that, guess what? Man, the devil will be on the outside looking in. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, Father God Almighty, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that just because this word is available to us, and this word is God. This word has the power of God. Because this word is available to us, all things are possible for us. Because this word, the very means by which you uphold all things, is ours. Could be an integrated part of our lives. Can become engrafted in us. Your word says, all things are possible to them that believe. That believe your word. We believe your word. And Father, we endeavor to develop an intimate, personal relationship with your word. Grant it for each and every one of us. Help us to take time, make a plan, schedule our times with the word. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We are going to go from strength to strength, from glory to glory, and from faith to faith, because of beholding, as in a mirror, this perfect law of liberty, the word of God, that is able to bring us into greater and greater freedom. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Everybody hearing me? Okay. Um, thank you, Pastor Ian, and thank you, Lord, for your word today. Uh, before we go, just remind you that over of uh, Tuesday and Wednesdays we have uh, Zoom Bible studies. You might not have tried it before, but we encourage you to try it. Every change come with a change, like to change something in your life to come to a higher level or to a new place. You have to change something. I encourage you at least try it once. Log in. And see how we get blessed. It is Tuesday and Wednesday evening weekly at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, you can ask questions. Um, so I feel like exhorting you to, to touch base with the Zoom Bible studies. One meal on Sunday might not be enough. And also go to the web YouTube channel, TLMHCA. You can um, listen to this message again. You can listen to the worship again. And uh, you can listen to the previous messages because messages build on one another, step upon step, precept upon precept. And we remind you also who we are. We are the harvesters. We don't have to pray for somebody else to go 
and become a harvester, pray the Lord of harvest to send laborers, we are it. We are the generation we're going to reach our communities and wherever we go. So take a track, open your heart to the leading of the Spirit wherever you are during the week and let him speak to you. You are anointed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. He anointed you to go and preach the gospel. Only by his word says go and preach, then you can do it. Okay, It's not only for the apostles, it's for us now. <laughs> Amen? Glory to God. Father, thank you for blessing us going out and coming in. Uh, coming out of church, going into, into you, the world where people waiting just for hope, waiting for healing, waiting for answers, waiting for deliverance. And let help us deliver them even from death. They, this person who's trying to run hopeless and be, uh, thinks he wants to leave and it's better to leave than to stay. No, it's not. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over that darkness over your life and break the power of suicide over your life in the name of Jesus. There is hope in Jesus. He died for you so you will not die. Father, I thank you for someone to reach to this person with the love of God and I encourage you to go. The first church you go to, Bible believing, go there and speak to the pastor in the name of Jesus. He has a word for you. In your community, there's somebody, there's a pastor, even right, I'm speaking, you know who, who is this person. Go, knock on the door, and speak to them. He has the answer for what's in your heart, in Jesus' name. So receive it, whoever it is out there. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We praise you. You are blessed.